So as we go to the scripture reading this morning, Thomas Jefferson uh, was truly a remarkable man. I, I just so wish he wasn't so blinded around the slavery issue, even as others around him, like George Washington, chose to get rid of and free their slaves. Jefferson chose not to, and that needs to preface everything that I say today. At the same time, he was one of the most courageous visionaries that we have ever seen in the country. And we're going to explore some of that today. And what he did, well, I'll come to that in just a second. But he loved this set of scriptures. He loved this set of scriptures. And the, it was the foundation for him upon which everything else was built. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many deeds of power in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Go away from me, you evildoers. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Now when Jesus had had finished saying these things, the crowds were astounded at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority and not as their scribes. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Melinda. Mm -hmm. He will turn 273 years old on Wednesday. And my hope is, after hearing the message, that on Wednesday you'll think a little bit about what I'm going to deal with this morning. He served two terms as the President of the United States. He served one term as Secretary of State under George Washington. We know him as the author of the Declaration of Independence. He was also an emissary in a time that being an emissary of the new America to Europe, even to Great Britain, was dangerous. And yet he took that on. And there's so much more. And what I'm going to tell you is I'm not going to preach on the writing of the Declaration of Independence, although I'll quote a couple of pieces of it. I'm not even really looking at the history of Thomas Jefferson, although it's hard to talk about Thomas Jefferson and not at least look at some of the history. What we do know about him is that he was an absolute, in his mind and in those around him, follower of Jesus that set up an alternative to faith that took incredible courage in the midst of inordinate criticism. And I'll talk a little bit more about that. Thomas Jefferson decided to create, if you will, an image of Jesus that was different than particularly those who were um, more fundamentalist in their faith. He decided that what he wanted to focus on was not the miracles, were not the requirements that the church seemed to be telling everyone that they had to follow. He, what he did then was he took every single thing that Jesus said and all of those actions, particularly those of confrontation, and place them in a Bible that he wrote 
initially by hand. I want you to think about that for a second. What you'll see up here is a picture of his Bible with all of those elements cut out and then pasted onto something else. It really is a worthwhile read if you look up the Jefferson Bible. And so few of us understand or know that he created this. But he created in a time to give an alternative to the dogma and the dogmatic opinions of that, the church of that time. Believing, <laughs> I love this, that pastors and priests did more to damage the words of Jesus and the actions of Jesus than anyone in the world could have possibly imagined. Don't ever trust them, is one of the things that he said. Let's close in prayer. <laughs> but what he did create was, uh, was something very special. What guided him into this was not only his, his brilliance. He was truly a brilliant, and many historians will call him the most brilliant president ever to serve in the office. What guided him was the Enlightenment. And he held three people, four, Jesus being number one, as the most brilliant, smartest person, most worthy of following in the world, but then added Francis Bacon, John Locke, and, um, and Isaac Newton to that list. And he said, these three have redefined for the world the way that we are to view the world. Phenomenal. All of them theologians, all of them philosophers, but all of them Enlightenment thinkers who, who, as I've said to you before, created a completely different understanding of how we're to approach faith. And it isn't having a pastor tell us what to believe, which was the norm back then, or a priest to tell us exactly what we were to believe. The Enlightenment thinkers brought into being the whole idea of doubt, of searching, of mining the scriptures, of, of questioning all of it, and even of looking at creation as an orderly accounting of a God of love and care. I just want you to think about that for a second. In a time where judgment was enormous and the whole idea of going to hell was enormous, Thomas Jefferson founded basically a new way. Here was a man of incredible vision who always believed and often quoted that, that our visions, according to God, were way, way too small. That all things were possible with our Creator. And if you look at the first sentence of the Declaration of Independence, think about endowed by our Creator, all men created equal, and endowed by our Creator the right to pursue life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. What isn't written there is what lay underneath those words. That it has to be a studied life. It has to be an understanding of what true liberty and freedom is. And an understanding of happiness because there wasn't another word that fit well into that that is attained only by study, only by perceiving the world as God would perceive it. And again, what's so disappointing to me 
um, is that even in the midst of those statements, even in the midst of saying that the Native Americans of that time were to be seen as equals to to the Anglos, to the whites, and yet in that time chose to keep over 200 slaves in slavery on his plantations. That's a tragedy to me. And diminishes, for me anyway, some of the other pieces of of who he was and what he did. So, But I want to talk a little bit more about the faith. And so what he did is then took the Enlightenment thinkers, the whole idea of doubt, but also wanted to give some answers on how we are to live our lives as followers of Jesus. I will tell you, other than, again, that slavery issue, Thomas Jefferson would have fit really well into the fabric of the Pacific Northwest. Why? Because he was probably the first spiritual but not religious person. The Enlightenment thinkers would fall into that. But right here, particularly in this country, Thomas Jefferson was probably the first to say it's okay to doubt. Matter of fact, we should doubt. Matter of fact, we should question deeply all of these concepts as long as what we're willing to do is study. Did you know Thomas Jefferson spoke five languages fluently and three Native American languages somewhat fluently? And if we're to talk about his vision and the grand scope of his vision and his courage, first we look at the Declaration of Independence. I mean, I want to remind us of when that was written and the courage that it took to write that document, knowing that it could cost them their lives. But that wasn't where his vision stopped. He then took on and, and made happen the greatest, largest purchase of land in the history of the United States, believing that it needed to be a part of this kind of growing, burgeoning country that was guided by God. But that wasn't all. Even after the purchase, or even in the midst of the purchase, he saw the lands beyond that worthy of being explored, And here we are sitting here, surrounded by elements of Lewis and Clark. Matter of fact, I went to Lewis and Clark High School. I can see that you're impressed by that. Um, And here is Thomas Jefferson, who wanted to explore and expand the vision of what was this country and sent these two explorers along with so many others to explore what it might have been like beyond the borders of even the Louisiana Purchase. What defined him, though, more than we ever know, what defined him was that faith. Not the miracles, not the resurrection. Those aren't found in his Bible. What defined him were the actions. Founded in each one of self-professed Christians that needed to define who they were. I keep hoping that maybe as he aged and stopped writing that he saw the error of his ways about slavery and that before he died, I wish that he would have freed them all. But what we have are documents. What we have is an example of someone who decided firsthand with great humility by the way. He never wanted to be recognized as president, never wanted to be recognized as secretary of state, did not want his recognition to be because of what he did with any of the purchases. What he wanted more than anything 
was to be recognized as a follower of Jesus, defined by those things. So what does that say to us today? Well, I think as the kind of antithesis to his views, we continue to believe that all really are all created equally. And that that is something that is worthy of a fight. It is worthy of whatever it takes to make sure that we have an understanding that all are created in equality. That's number one. Bless you. Number two, that the whole idea of an orderly God, a loving, caring, grace-filled God, is something worthy of following. But in the midst of trying to seek that order and trying to create that order in a world of need requires study. It requires doubt. It requires questioning. It requires learning. And more than anything, it requires it to be the priority for our lives, not just one of many. It is to be the priority of our lives. Whether we claim ourselves as Christian or whether we claim ourselves as followers of Jesus, and I will say to you, I am one who believes in the resurrection. I am one who believes in the miracles of Jesus. I've seen too much in my life not to believe in all of those things. But what is the priority of your life? Is it, as we look at seeking to be the resurrection for others that surround us, as we're seeking to bring equality and balance to the world, as we're seeking to be courageous and not minimize a vision, but to see ourselves and our relationship as children of our Creator, endowed by these inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that is not just our right, it is our responsibility to bring that to all the world. So I challenge you, in this time of Easter, to see that as the priority, the priority, and take that on understanding that all things are possible with God. Amen? So on Wednesday, your final assignment, just think a little bit about that as we celebrate his 273rd, whatever that number was, birthday. As we go to prayer,